Well, welcome everyone to the Taurus Full Moon Meeting and of course the Wessex Festival. And this year the meeting is being held in New York with a simultaneous broadcast to the meeting in London. There's also a simultaneous Greek and Spanish broadcast. So we joined by many people today. The meeting's been scheduled, of course, to accommodate the actual time of the full moon, which will be at 1.34 here in New York and 6.34 p.m. British summer time. So we all be working together in meditation when the energies are at their peak. So over the many years, we've attempted to hold our consciousness in a state of dynamic receptivity at the time of the full moon. Our sensitivity to zodiacal qualities has steadily developed, as has our spiritual service in response to changing influences. And at the time of the full moon, when the energies seeking entrance into human consciousness are at their highest, the promise that the future holds is with us in the present. They recharge us from within as we endeavor to stand with the spiritual hierarchy as close to the plane of intuition as we can. And this requires a steady overcoming of the desire nature of the personality, which surreptitiously feeds the separatism that contravenes the great law of love. And this naturally takes time. It's not something to be hurried, but it's something to keep working at. So at this time we are placed, we are well placed to clean the windows of perception and behold the inbreakings of the divine. And this includes that which is on the threshold of revelation. For we are reminded that revelation is the revelation of that which is ever present. So in this sense, it's a recognition of aspects of existing reality, rather than some new creation, hitherto unknown. It's the steady rediscovery of our essential unity with the whole. And as the Alice Bailey writings phrase it, through separation, man finds himself, and then driven by the indwelling buddhic or Christ principle, transcends himself and finds himself again in all selves. The increasing intensity of this revelation provides the power for our redemptive work with our own internal nature and in sacrificial service to all lives within the planetary whole. So at the Taurus full moon, we particularly identify ourselves and our service with the new group of world servers and the great revelation of synthesis and unity that they are bringing to humanity. Assisted by the illuminating energy of the sign with its keynote, I see, and when the eye is opened, all is light. So let's pause here and we'll say together the affirmation of the will. 
In the center of the will of God I stand. Naught shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. We know that the spiritual kingdom makes good use of the enhanced energy alignment between the sun and the earth at the time of the full moon, particularly over this higher interlude of the year. When a striking example was in 1945, the year the World War ended. For the events during these weeks of spiritual and mundane importance focused through the three spiritual festivals were described as being of stupendous effect. The spiritual hierarchy of our planet faced a major test of their hierarchical power as opposed to a test of their love. And while the work accomplished by the disciples of the world as well as by the new group of world service was said to determine the destiny of man for centuries to come. As well as demonstrating the power of the three festivals, this also demonstrates the importance of timing. The festivals after the war being concerned with spiritualizing, sorry, with mobilizing the spiritual will before inertia set in and the forces of selfishness and separation returned with a vengeance. So central to this mobilization of the spiritual will was the need for sacrifice, for only upon sacrifice can world stability be safely found, the sacrifice of selfishness. And of course, this statement continues to be relevant to us today, particularly as the year 2000 inflow of Shambhala will continues to impact the world. And while it's destroyed much that's hindered the manifestation of divine will, we still see the predominance of the selfish human will producing disunity and polarization worldwide. And the service of meditation groups who make conscious approaches to the centers of love and power at the time of the full moon is therefore essential. Through this work, the bridge of consciousness that's slowly forming between humanity and the higher kingdoms is strengthened and stabilized. And through it, the fiery will to good of Shambhala can be evoked and relayed to humanity. Shambhala, we know in the great invocation as the center where the will of God is known, at the highest energy center on the planet and we are informed that it currently exerts 
its force with increased power at the time of the Taurus full moon. Quote, there is at this time, owing to the influx of the Shambhala force, the establishing of a peculiar relation or alignment between the constellation Taurus with a specific alignment with the Pleiades and the Great Bear, the planet Pluto and our Earth. So this produces much of the present world difficulty and one which the modern astrologer would do well to consider, he said. It constitutes a major cosmic triangle at this time, conditioning much that is happening now. We can presume that as two more Shambhala impacts were predicted for 1975 and 2000, that this relationship still continues and exerts a potent influence. Pluto is one of the main instruments for the energy of the first ray to enter the aura of the Earth, as we mentioned earlier today. The other planet is Vulcan, the esoteric or inner ruler of Taurus. Vulcan remains obscured until the path of return is consciously entered. But when this point is reached, it acts as a representative of the spiritual sun and gradually reveals itself. Vulcan then plumbs the depths of human consciousness to bring to light that which has been deeply hidden. Although its potency is only truly experienced at the fourth initiation of renunciation, it does seem that humanity, with one foot gingerly placed on the path of discipleship, is beginning to experience Vulcan's first ray powers. For these powers destroy the old forms to fashion more suitable ones. Desires associated with the material life are unearthed and put under the spotlight. And humanity certainly seems to be experiencing this of late. Vulcan, of course, is the forger of metals and the one who works with fire in the densest, most concrete expression of the natural world. The association of Vulcan with volcanoes comes from Roman religion and neo-paganism. The word volcano being derived from Vulcano, the little island in the Mediterranean Sea of Sicily. Centuries ago, the people living in this area believed that Vulcano was the chimney of the forge of Vulcan, the blacksmith of the Roman gods. They thought that the eruptions were caused by Vulcan's forge as he beat out thunderbolts for Jupiter, king of the gods, and weapons for Mars, the god of war. And it's certainly true that a volcano literally lifts matter into the air. And esoterically, Vulcan is associated with the alchemical uplift of matter, the subterranean activity that results in natural cataclysms, such as volcanic eruptions. Uh, sorry. And they signify huge planetary transformations of forces through which mysterious electrical processes carried out in the lower kingdoms of nature by the Buddhas of activity. 
And these lives are even more advanced than the Buddha with whom humanity is familiar. And at the time of the Wesak, they stand behind the Lord Buddha as a great impressing force. In turn, the Buddhas of activity are impressed by the will of God as it energizes the entire planetary life. To explain a little more about these mysterious beings, we read in the book, A Treatise on Cosmic Fire, that the mystery of electricity has three keys, each of which is held in the hands of one of these Buddhas of activity. Theirs is the prerogative to control the electrical forces of the physical plane, and there's the right to direct the three major streams of this force in connection with our present globe. So these three streams are concerned with atomic substance, out of which all forms are constructed. And the mystery of this threefold type of electricity is largely connected with elemental essence in one particular aspect its lowest and most profound for men to apprehend, as it concerns the secret of that which substands or stands back of all that is objective. In a secondary sense, it concerns the forces and the ethers, which are those which energize and produce the activities of all atoms. Another type deals with the electrical phenomena which finds its expression in the light, which man has somewhat harnessed in the phenomena such as thunderstorms and the manifestation of lightning with the aurora borealis and the production of earthquakes and all volcanic action. All these manifestations are based on electrical activity of some kind, and they have to do with the soul of all things the essence of matter. And the old commentary says, the garment of God is driven aside by the energy of his movements and the real man stands revealed. So while it might seem that human beings are at the mercy of these processes, this isn't so, for the state of human consciousness plays a major role in how the work of the higher kingdoms of nature manifests themselves. Humanity's materialistic thinking, for instance, is directly related to cataclysmic events. To understand this, we need to set aside the standard geological view of the inside of the earth as solid. Esoterically considered then, beneath the earth's crust and the molten layers of substance, the earth passes steadily from a fluid to a gaseous and then a plasma state and then to one that appears as a void to the outer eye. Though to the inner vision, it's full of compressed elemental forces and mysterious zones of activity. So in Rosicrucian teachings, the interior of the earth grows more mysterious as one approaches its core. It passes through nine zones or spheres of activity towards the central mystery. And the sixth zone is known as the fire stratum, where the planet's sensate nature is focused. 
And Steiner tells us that this zone is composed of pure will, of elemental vital forces, of constant movement shot through by impulses and passions, truly a reservoir of will forces. So underneath the solid earth, he says, there are a large number of subterranean spaces which communicate to this fiery stratum. And this element of the fire earth is intimately connected with the human will. When the human will is evil and chaotic, it magnetically acts on this layer and disrupts it. Nevertheless, when the human will is devoid of egoism, it is able to appease this fire. So materialistic periods are mostly accompanied and followed by natural cataclysms, earthquakes, etc. And growing powers of evolution are the only alchemy capable of transforming little by little the organism and the soul of the earth. So this fiery stratum is connected to a zone directly beneath it where the nature forces that actually impulse seismic activity are to be found. It's a zone called the refracting stratum by Max Heindel and the circle of decomposition by Steiner who compares it to a prism which decomposes everything that's reflected in it and brings to expression its complementary aspect. Heindel describes this layer as the mirror of the earth. In it, all forces are known to us as the laws of nature. They exist as moral or immoral forces. So in the beginning of the conscious career of man, they were much worse than at present. But it appears that as humanity progresses in morals, these forces improve correspondingly. Also that any lapse in morals has a tendency to unleash these nature forces and cause them to wreak havoc upon the earth. While striving for higher ideals makes them less harmful to man. The forces in this stratum are therefore at any time an exact reflection of the existing moral status of mankind. So from this we can see the huge responsibility of spiritually minded people to work tirelessly to control and purify their thinking and become relayers of the right type of energy. And if we are in need of more prompting to dedicate our lives to self-sacrifice and service through the power of thought, it's worth bearing in mind the consequences that our inactivity holds for those who are victims of cataclysms. As Alice Bailey makes excruciating clear, she says, there is never anything static in the creative process, energy which is flowing forth in the pulsation of the one life and its rhythmic and cyclic activity, never ending and never resting, must be somewhere utilized. 
and it must find its way in some direction. Often, when man fails in his duty with catastrophic results. The problem of catechisms will be found to be related to the inflow of unused and unrecognized energy, which is capable of right direction and right purpose for the furthering of the plan. If aspirants and disciples of the world will shoulder their group responsibilities, submerge their personalities, and achieve true realization. Humanity must be more diligent and more intelligent in working out its destiny and karmic obligations. And of course, the power of our thinking is even more potent and magnetic at the time of the Wessex Festival. And there is a direct line of communication to the interior of the earth through electromagnetic channels. The Wessex Festival acts as a dynamo of the will, the ritualistic movement of those who gather in the valley, forming geometric patterns on the inner planes that absorb and generate currents of subtle forces to act as preliminary channel for the forces that the Buddha will bring at the exact time of the full moon. The planetary alignment that takes place creates a fusion of love, purpose and will, led by the cooperation of the Christ and the Buddha. And it's a time when humanity's consciousness can be impressed to some degree with a sense of divine purpose. To create this alignment, the work of both the Christ and the Buddha are needed to preserve contact with the highest center Shambhala. And this enables the Lord of the world to connect five points of energy, symbolizing the five pointed star of humanity. It's five points being the Lord of the world, the Buddha, the Christ, the Manu, and the Maha Kohen. So making use of this magnetic geometrical relationship the Buddha sounds a great mantra, ensuring that he becomes the absorbing agent of first ray force. He then uses the magnetic power of the second ray to attract this force to himself and holds it steady prior to redirecting it. The Christ then receives the energy on behalf of the hierarchy and the seven masters who work with humanity and the subhuman kingdoms of nature respond in turn by becoming directing agents for the sevenfold expression of force. <clears throat> so the divine will of God is held in solution to some degree until the next full moon, Gemini, where under the guidance of Christ, it's released into human consciousness, producing seven great results according to the sub-rays of the first ray of will or power. So as we have seen, those who aspire towards discipleship must play their part in providing that essential link in the chain of hierarchy that can absorb the divine force of the will that emanates from Shambhala at this time. It means standing alone, yet together, 
in a condition of isolated unity to bear the power of the will. And rather than wrestling with forces of darkness, we strive instead to awaken and mobilize the forces of light and people of goodwill and organize and strengthen the good. So let us come together now and align ourselves with a great hierarchical endeavor that's taking place at this time. Truly a coalition of the willing, willing the purpose which the masters know and serve throughout the world. Letting in the light. Group fusion. We affirm the fact of group fusion and integration within the heart center of the new group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy of the planet, the planetary heart and the great ashram of Sanakamara, and towards the Christ at the heart of hierarchy. Extend the line of light towards Shambhala, the center where the will of God is known.
high interlude. We hold the contemplative mind open to the extraplanetary energies streaming into Shambhala and radiated through hierarchy. Using the creative imagination, endeavor to see the three planetary centers, Shambhala, hierarchy and humanity, gradually coming into alignment and interplay. We reflect on the keynote. I see, and when the eye is open, all is light.
precipitation. Using the creative imagination, we visualize the energies of light, love, and the will to good pouring throughout the planet and becoming anchored on earth and prepared physical plan centers through which the plan can manifest. We use the sixfold progression of divine love as a sequence of energy precipitation. <coughs> Shambhala, hierarchy, the Christ, the new group of world servers, men and women of goodwill, everywhere in the world, physical centers of distribution. Lower interlude. Refocus the consciousness as a group within the periphery of the great ashram. In the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. <coughs> We visualize the downpouring spiritual inflow released from Shambhala through the hierarchy and streaming into humanity through the prepared channel. Consider how these inpouring energies are establishing the pathway of light for the coming world teacher, the Christ.
distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the outpouring of light and love and power from the spiritual hierarchy through the five planetary inlets, London, Darjeeling, New York, Geneva, Tokyo, irradiating the consciousness of the whole human race. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men. Let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Um, so we look forward to seeing you tomorrow, starting at two promptly. Um, 
And for people online, uh, please remember to register for tomorrow and a separate registration link for Sunday, both at two o'clock. And we look forward to seeing you all again tomorrow. Thank you.